Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things therapy, running our practices, not all things therapy. We don't really talk a lot about what we do with clients, but talking sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> but today we are talking about uh, an ebook that was sent over to us by our friends over at Simple Practice. And this is called Demystifying the Most Commonly Used CPT Codes. And Katie and I come from very different places when it comes to insurance. And Katie's got a hybrid practice. I have a cash pay practice where we do super bills. And I understand some of this stuff. And Katie understands a lot of this stuff a lot more. And we wanted to be able to give our take on things and help you make some decisions on whether or not insurance is right for your practice. Yeah, I think it's something where I am actually in the majority, Kurt, and I don't know that that's well seen. Uh, The hybrid practice is 51%, at least of simple practice users, and 61% of simple practice users build insurance this year and have an an insurance portion of their practice, but only 10% are just insurance. So to me, I think when someone comes on to a Facebook group or in a networking situation and says, Hey, should I accept insurance? I feel like a lot of people are like, no, don't take insurance. Private pays the best. Da, 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 da. But I think a lot of us in the background are quietly accepting insurance, at least for a portion of our practice. So there's a lot of detail in this report that talks about kind of regular rates, you know, how many sessions are being billed and that kind of stuff. And so I would recommend looking at it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, as well as a link to an interview that we had with one of the authors, Barbara Griswold, that when we talked about kind of insurance myths, I think. I think we're coming back around to insurance myths. That that episode is quite some time ago. So I think we're going to have some new things to talk about here. But to me, I think the hope in this conversation is that there are folks who will maybe are considering insurance and shouldn't be. And there are folks who are feeling like they shouldn't accept insurance, but that might actually be better alignment for them because I think there's a lot of things that are stated as facts by people who are either like you solely in uh, self-pay or private pay practice, 
or folks who are in very different states. And there's there's a lot of misinformation that I think gets shared or or inaccurate information for someone's individual situation. So what are your thoughts? What do you know as a private pay practice about taking insurance? And why would you tell people not to take insurance? Maybe let's start there. <laughs> the more of these conversations we have, the less that I'm finding myself telling people what they should do. And I will speak broadly to the fair enough. <laughs> uh, why I see people making some of the decisions that they do. And I know, and this is stated in the ebook, uh, our, our friend, Dr. Ben Caldwell is quoted as saying, many clinicians want the stability of income and to not have to market themselves and paneling with insurance allows them to focus on clinical care rather than spending time on marketing. Yes. And I think that this is true. There are a number of people who are in our profession who just want to see clients and do work and not have to deal with the stressors of where my next client's coming from. They don't want to deal with a lot of marketing aspects, going out to networking sort of things. And for those of you who that's your jam, have that be your jam. I am not one of those people myself. I am. <laughs> I love the networking and the marketing aspects. It takes a while to be able to build up a reputation in the community with referral sources. Not everybody can afford to take the time to build a practice that way. Yeah. They need the income sooner. And I think one of the themes that you'll probably hear from me a lot throughout today's discussion is just kind of, you have to do what's right for you. And there's no one size fits all approach on this. But I also, in kind of setting up my practice, when I was initially considering applying to be on some of the insurance panels and was talking with some people in my community who were paneled and hearing how long it takes to actually get paneled. Mm. I found that I was getting clients who were cash pay clients in the meantime of what that paperwork length of time was going to be anyway. So my practice started to develop cash pay, even while I would have been waiting to get paneled in the first place. So maybe it was just that I was kind of eagerly out there going out and seeking clients and marketing anyway, that at the time was just kind of where, oh, if I'm getting them anyway, why do I need to accept a lower rate of insurance to see the same people that I'm already getting into my practice? That's a really good point. For myself, I actually started my private practice while I was working in community mental health. So I didn't have time to market or network or do any of those things. And I, you know, I put my shingle out in an area that didn't have many clinicians. And so I did get some private pay clients while I was credentialing, but I was credentialing without having any clients at all and without even trying to get clients. It was like, that was my escape plan. I was going to credential on the side you know, kind of send those things in. And as I started getting insurance panels, then I was kind of adding clients to my practice. So I think there are different ways that people go about starting a practice. And I think, you know, whether you credential or you have someone help you credential, that that is a time gap. I, I think for some people, it's been up to six months. I don't know what the current timeline is right now, but it can take a long time to get paneled 
which can be ideal for someone that needs to stay in a community mental health job or a group practice job before they can really go out on their own. I think at this point, once you are paneled, for some panels, you could almost fill up your caseload in a couple of weeks. And so it becomes a an a way to have some solid income and that stability because I honestly can say with my insurance-based portion of my practice, which is very tiny at this point, and I'm, I'm going to be private pay very soon, but what, when I was in the height of my hybrid practice, someone would call. I had a similar specialty or was close enough, and I took their insurance, and it was almost 100% close rate. Whereas with the private pay, you know, if you're marketing well and you're networking well and all of those things, they may come in already knowing your fee. They may come in already knowing your specialty, and it could be a pretty high close rate. But I've heard more like 10 to 30% close rate sometimes for private pay clients, especially at the beginning. Well, and speaking of the beginning, I also hear in our larger therapist discussions within the therapist community that some panels require people to be licensed for two years sure. before they can even get on the panel in the first place. And for those, you know, very energetic, freshly licensed people, if that's another limitation, as it was, you know, when I first started my private practice, it was shortly after I got licensed that if it's not even an option to you and you're looking at developing some of these other marketing and referral network streams, I can say from my vantage point that if my fee is twice as much and I'm closing only a third of the clients, if I that still balances out as far as the number of sessions that I'm seeing, I'm actually potentially even working less than I am if I am paneled and seeing fewer clients. Well, that's assuming that you're getting the same number of calls, which you don't. <laughs> That is very so, true. I, so I grant you that. 100% of 10 versus a third of three is is actually 10% of the clients. So <laughs> so just a little a little math. I think it it does take a while to build a private pay practice. It is much more cost efficient as far as your time. And and that actually is is not necessarily totally true. We should talk about fees in a second. But I think it's something where overall income is very different in the beginning. And then again, very different when you get to your kind of stable number. I think for at the beginning, an insurance practice, you can immediately get up to that 50 or 60,000 a year, probably. With a private pay practice, that's going to take a little while, but then you're going to get up to a much higher number, you know, and, and these are just made up numbers, but like that 100,000 a year or 75,000 a year or 120,000 a year, I think is more likely in a, a private pay practice than it is in a an insurance practice or a hybrid. And looking at the data from Simple Practice here, kind of reflecting what Katie's talking about, uh, they have a nice little graph that shows the average number of appointments per billing type in the last 30 days. And those who are doing self-pay only, the average number of appointments for the median, I guess, is 28 self-pay only over 30 days. So that's yeah, it's pretty low. The upper 75th percentile is 55 sessions over uh, a 30-day period. 
But you compare that to the insurance only, and it's 20 and 46, which are below what those self-pay therapists yeah. are in, in and the simple practice community. Out. Yeah. And the insurance one, the, the way that that's talked about is those insurance only practice p- folks are typically like new group practice associates kind of that they're, that are billing just insurance. The practice is only they're, they're using associates or, or other folks in the practice for insurance only. So I, I think the, the thing to look at is the hybrid and the hybrid actually has a lot of appointments. I, you're looking at it. So what are the numbers for the hybrid practice? So medians at 55 sessions, that's compared to 28 for the self-pay. And the upper 75th percentile is 80 versus 55. Yeah. So it's, so, it's, it's, a, it's a fuller practice. Now, whether or not you want a fuller practice, they don't actually say overall income for folks, which I think is interesting um, and might be interesting data for them to look at. But I think it's so variable. I think it's, it's hard to say. But- Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I think determining whether you take insurance at the beginning, obviously, if you're not licensed long enough, that's going to be a, a factor. But like I, I started paneling. I was five years licensed. I was ready to be out of community mental health, or I wanted at least an escape route from community mental health. I got paneled pretty easily. It took a while, but I was still working. And then I was able to start adding clients afterwards. I think if you are able to kind of do the pace of building a private pay practice, that may be the right move for you, depending on where you live. And, and I think that, so the, the initial one is, can you have your income ramp up, you know, slowly, or do you need to have it ramp up quickly once you get, you know, paneled? I think that's, that's the first thing to think about. They didn't say kind of how long insurance clients stay versus private pay. I've got a mix in my practice. I found that I think more private pay clients are, are going to finish sooner than insurance clients. But but what is your experience of that? Because you've had private pay for a long time. I mean, do you have a churn rate that's pretty high where you're having to constantly get new clients or do you have clients that stay for long-term? I mean, I'm, I'm a long-term therapist. I've got clients for years. So it's it's a different model. I have mostly clients who have stuck with me for quite a while. And while I do have some churn in my practice, I would say as far as my particular caseload goes, that's probably somewhere around 10% of my my caseload. Now, it doesn't mean that I have the same 
you know, 90% of the clients forever, but I do tend to have my repeat people coming back after a couple of years off. And so I see relatively few new clients in my practice. So most of my people are lifers and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I imagine that, you know, if I preview that I'm going to retire in like 30 years, that that might create some panic for some of my clients now, just knowing that <laughs> things are going to end. So I may not so we both be are the long-term best therapists. <laughs> yeah. You may not be the best uh, to, to say that. And maybe that's another thing. Potentially, if you are a clinician that already has more of a short-term model, if you're already going to have churn with your clients, might as well get the best bang for the buck and do private pay hmm. <laughs> or have a huge referral source and get insurance. And, and so I think it's, it's something where there's a lot of factors in what is going to be the right mechanism for you. Um, the other thing is, is, there are very different rates that people charge across the country and simple practice has that in there as you know, kind of their private pay full fee. There's also very different insurance rates. And so I don't know if you looked at this, Kurt, but it's, it's crazy because as California being one of the most expensive places to live, we actually are, are mid of the middle of the pack or lower part of the pack on what uh, the median insurance reimbursement rate is. And looking at this, I, I have to imagine that a big piece of this is supply and demand because some of the states with the highest reimbursement rates are South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota. And while there is the Twin Cities in Minnesota, there's a lot of rural area there. And so I have to imagine that some of the higher rates are being either commanded by therapists who are like, look, there's nobody else in town to take your insurance and they're doing a good job of advocating for themselves for higher reimbursements. Or the insurance companies are trying to draw more practitioners to work in these areas. And, you know, in California, like the building that my office is in, I think that there is, and don't quote me on this, I think that there is roughly 8 million therapists that work in my <laughs> building. And so, I, and obviously not all of us are paneled with insurance companies, but I have to imagine that the insurance companies could panel every single therapist and be like, we have so many people that we only need to pay you $8 per session. I think the problem is that's there's, I mean, we, we could have whole conversations about ghost panels and people being full and stuff like that. Cause I certainly still get calls from folks and they, they basically are, are searching for weeks trying to find someone who accepts their insurance. So I also think that there is a, an issue in California with insurance because the, the average fee or the median fee for California, I think is a hundred dollars for insurance reimbursement and 150 is the private pay fee. Although the, the one in 2018 apparently was 130. So there's, there's a big difference and, and you and I are both double insurance rates or more. So it's, it's a huge difference. And if you've designed your fee and they have some information in this about how you can set your full fee, but if you design your fee based on what you need to make and the insurance reimbursement rate is half of that, that's a huge difference and needs to be a consideration. You, I, I would have to see double the insurance clients to make the same amount of money that I make with my private pay clients. 
factor. When we look at places like Oregon, their regular full fee is 165. They're one of the five most expensive places to live, but insurance reimburses them at 130. So that's only a $35 difference, you know, and it's still per session, blah, 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 but it is much closer. It's not half <laughs> of what the fee is or, or a, you know, two thirds of what the fee is. And it, and it, it's a lot more approachable. Texas is another one that they reported on the average private pay fee or the medium private pay fee is 125 insurance is only 88 but it's still only a $37 difference and so and and it's also costs a lot less to live in Texas than it than it does to live in California and some of these fees you know Oregon was the highest one they reported at 130 but if you've got a a private pay fee that's typically around 130 to 150 and insurance is paying you 130 it's not functionally different and if you've got an almost 100% close rate and can be choosy, an insurance practice may be awesome because you don't have to do the marketing. There is consistency. Insurance is going to consistently refer to you. Most When I was taking mostly insurance, I had to put outgoing messages saying, I'm not currently taking new clients. So people would stop begging me to call them back. And so it's, it's this thing of there are places in the country, in the United States, where taking insurance makes a lot of sense. And especially when it does save you some of that time to go out and market and to pay for SEO and fancy websites and all of that kind of stuff. And this is really where you're looking at your cost basis and, you know, that's Mm -hmm. having to look at your finances. And that also includes how you value your time in putting that stuff together. So if it is functionally the same and it does save you a bunch of other time makes sense. I think the 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 big caveat is the number of clients you're seeing or need to see to make the money the total money that you want to make and then also the amount of time that you'll spend on insurance billing. There are some panels that are great, not a lot of you know denied claims, not a lot of work on that part that you know you get paid easily. You know, I have one panel that I'm still on and I'm getting ready to go off of, but I, if they could just pay me a little bit more, I'd stay on it because I get a direct deposit almost, you know, a few days after the session and I've got clients paying 10 or $20 to see me. Like it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. However, there's other ones where I will charge something they'll pay me once they won't pay me another time and then i have to chase it down and so when you get into more of that there is a a bigger amount of time that's spent on kind of managing the billing and and tracking the billing and doing all those things a lot of that became really easy when i did it through simple practice so i will i will acknowledge them for that that i at this point i push a button it goes through, it tells me if it's been denied and then I can chase it down. But most of the time, I don't even need to worry about it because I don't have to chase it down. Now, one of the other things that I hear from you and some of my other friends who are paneled is also that you take the copay, but then you might be waiting several months for the rest of the payment to even find out if it's been approved or not. And one of the considerations of having that cash pay practice is 
my clients give me the money and then all of the money is mine yeah right up front and so yeah there's you know anywhere that gets into all right you're getting paid but when and how and are you able to tie those things back to the specific sessions that you know might move you into a and this is going to be a big part of our discussion here move you into a different cpt code Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I think there are definitely situations where people don't get paid right away. And I think sometimes it is due to shifting from an individual contract to a group contract. Or if there's like, I had a situation where I wasn't paid because I had left the panel and I billed for three sessions for a couple of clients right before I was off the panel. And they said I was off the panel, even though I had submitted the claims before the final date, you know, like, and so I had to go and and fight them for that. But otherwise, most of the time I get paid right away, like within days and it goes directly into my bank account. So, okay. So I think that there there is a, a wide array of experiences here. I think if you have a panel where you're not getting paid or if you get clawbacks, meaning they think they say, hey, we thought it was covered, but it's not. Give us the money back. I've never had a clawback. Maybe I should knock on wood here. But like that sounds awful and horrible. And I think that there are, are things where we can just say there are times when insurance companies are evil. And <laughs> and are they a necessary evil? Some people say yes. Some people say no. But But yeah, I think there is typically a financial stability when you take insurance. However, if you're not getting paid, that financial stability doesn't actually exist. And so you want to be pay attention to it. But l- let's go to the what you were talking about, the kind of the CPT codes as well as number of clients. Sure. So the vast majority of clinicians that bill through simple practice, and this is like over a hundred thousand users, not all of them are are mental health therapists. Some of them have other types of practices, but the vast majority, like 10 times the number of sessions were billed as 90837, which is the 60 minute session or 60 plus minute session versus 90834, which is 38 to 52 minutes, which fits into that 50 minute hour. Right. And insurance companies assume that therapists are going to bill that 50 minute hour. And they say that most of our colleagues are billing the 50-minute hour, but we know, thank you, Simple Practice, that most of us are billing 90837, <laughs> which means it's 53 minutes or more. And it means you actually have to be working clinically with a client for 53 minutes or more. And I think some people may fudge that. It can't be you waiting. It can't be the documentation. It can't be the scheduling time that you spend in the, in the session. It's actual clinical time. That being said... Some folks are getting pushback and they're having to prove medical necessity for the longer session, which is the 90837. I think that is BS. I think it's it's something where insurance companies, I mean, and the, the, the rates for 90837 are way higher. So you do a 52-minute session and it's like $40 less than or $30 less than a 53-minute session. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, and and so insurance trying to get people to bill less are saying do these shorter sessions. Well, Ben's idea 
is that we'll just do these 90834. You can do a session as short as, what was it? 38 minutes. You could do a 40 minute session. And then if you can see more clients that way, and that might be a way to make more money in less time because you do a certain number. There's, this is in the thing, but like a certain number of 40 minute sessions versus a certain number of 60 minute sessions, you know, it's about the same and you're spending less time. And I, I don't agree. Sorry, Ben. I just don't agree. Because it's not just the session time. It's also all the paperwork. But then there's also the clinical case management. If you've got 20 people in crisis versus 30 people in crisis, <laughs> it's a very different workload. Yeah, I, I, I see where Ben is coming from on this, from sure. just a nuts and bolts number thing. And I will always remind people that... Ben has not been a practicing therapist for <laughs> several years. <laughs> and, we love you, Ben. We love uh, you. <laughs> we and honestly, you know, we we do have a lot of love and respect for Ben and all of the work that he does, and you know, simple practice, simple practice learning, and uh, everything that he's got going on. But I think it's easy to forget the practice management sides of things, yeah, and a lot of the managing caseload sides of things that I'm sure that he will very much acknowledge that he's a little bit out of touch on. It's just not practical. I mean, it's just, it's, it's somebody saying like, well, if people want more money, why don't they just work more? And (laughs) (laughs) well, I think the argument isn't actually that to work more it's, Hey, do shorter sessions so that you, you have less time in the chair, but it's like, but there's, you know, like even the task switching of seeing one client versus the next client. I mean, that's not even to, to mention what we just talked about with billing and, and case management. So (laughs) I, I, I get it. And I actually think that, that the other message I want, I want to, to add to Ben's message and say, why not allow for some of these shorter sessions? Because you could see your client twice a week for 40 minutes and, and, and have more of that flexibility of, of billing code. I mean, there's also information in here and I, and I'm sure this came from Barbara, which was about, you know, kind of using some of these other codes, like, you know, 90846 is the client is family therapy without the clients. You can talk to parents and have it paid for, you know, there's, there's crisis codes. There's a lot of stuff there that I think is pretty interesting, but but it, you can use insurance a little bit more flexibly, you know, and bill for everything. It's just then you're taking the time to bill for everything. I think the other thing is, I think there was a statement like to avoid burnout, see five to seven clients five days a week. And 25 doesn't sound bad, but 35 sounds awful. And so I think that there's there's a need to assess your for yourself if you have 35 clients and they're mostly insurance, I would recommend having a biller. So you're not chasing down, you know, fees, you're not dealing with benefits checks, that kind of stuff. But if, if you can see 35 clients a week, then you're different than me. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know that I can do 25. So I think it's something where it's, it's sorting out what that looks like. And, and you can, you can do some simple math. And I think Kurt, you had started it. You can make a good living seeing mostly insurance clients, it just is really important that you 
all of your systems are very clean. Probably you have a biller, at least someone to check benefits and chase down things, you know, because insurance on simple practice is literally pushing a button once it's all set up. But it's sorting out how many clients you actually want to see. And do you want to do some of these other things? I mean, to your point earlier, I would rather go out and do some networking than see another client. Right. At times, you know, like I would rather write a little blog post or do a podcast episode with you than see another client. Like when I've gotten through the number of clients that's comfortable for me in the week, I could make more money seeing more clients. But I choose to do that in other ways and to charge more for those times. And it's not that we don't like seeing clients, it's that we like doing other things too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I do hear and read in some of the therapist forums about, you know, some of these clawbacks things that are happening, some of the rejections of that 90837. Is there anything that can really be done about that? There's some specific things in the ebook. And I think that the most important thing is to make sure that you're writing actual start and stop times, you know, simple practice defaults to either an hour or 50 minutes and it starts on the hour or the whatever the time is that you set the appointment. Making sure you actually have the time in there to the minute. If you see somebody for less than 53 minutes that you downcode it to 90834. And I think you want to make sure that, you know, we've got different episodes on documentation I can put in the in the links in the show notes. But it's something where being able to document medical necessity for a longer session, that kind of stuff, I think it's important. I think I got something from one of the insurance panels I was on that basically said, you need to make sure that your notes show that you spent that much time. And so anyone that's been in community mental health knows like you have to have enough interventions in your note for that for that long of a session. You know, if you're going to go a full hour or 53 minutes plus, you need to make sure your documentation shows that you're not processing one thing and that's all that you've put down in your note. So those are the things that you can do. It's just Ben's idea of doing shorter sessions and seeing more clients may keep you under the radar of insurance companies. They don't see you as overusing 90837. I just don't think it's worth it. I think just do the documentation, make sure that you're you're staying true to the start and t- stop times and hope for the best. <laughs> Overall, reading through this, I can say that my reaction is insurance companies aren't paying as badly as I had thought that they were. Yes. And I don't know how to convey to our listeners how much it actually pains me to say that that (laughs) (laughs) but there are a lot of individual factors that you have to decide for yourself that if you're wanting to see clients you're wanting the marketing and the phone calls to be kind of funneled to you being on a panel makes sense Mm -hmm. if you're somebody who needs to get out of the office a little bit more. You want to put in a little bit more of that work and you want to operate partially or fully outside of the insurance systems. There's pathways for you there too. Both have their advantages and disadvantages, but I was really surprised to see that out of the thousands of users that Simple Practice has, um, those rates are a lot closer than I would have expected them to be. 
Yeah. Well, and I think a big point there is that if you're wanting to have a, an accessible practice and you're wanting to do that for a lot of clients, insurance is potentially a better way to do it because clients will pay. I think the the median copay was about $15. Whereas if you slide down to $30 or $60 or $70 or $80, you're going to make less than insurance. Now, if you're doing it for a couple of spots, you're doing it through open path or you're doing those kinds of things as, as a small give back. I think that's very much appropriate. But if you're doing it for your whole caseload, where your whole caseload is sitting around the median insurance fee, you will make the same amount, potentially more, because you'll not have to market it yourself. Your clients will pay less than they're paying you now. You just have to get through the the insurance paperwork and that kind of stuff. So I think I think there's going to be different factors for everyone. But if you're sliding your fee down to a hundred or below a hundred dollars, typically anyway, you may make more on insurance than you are right now. We would love to hear your feedback and what you're doing with your practice. And the best way to do that is join our Facebook community, the Modern Therapist Group. You can also let us know on our social media. And we'll include links to all of that and the stuff from Simple Practice and what Katie mentioned in our show notes. You'll find those over at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code Modern Therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code Modern gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.